This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Legacy automakers continue chipping away at Tesla's EV lead. A court limits UAW pickets at a striking supplier plant. And Audi's former boss admits to fraud by negligence. Plus, our own Michael Martinez explains Ford's global hopes for its redesigned Ranger. This is a lot of customers' introduction to what that built Ford tough truck brand really means. And it's the F-150, really, for many global markets. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Electric cars and trucks captured 7% of the U.S. light vehicle market in the first quarter of the year. That's up from 4.6% in the year earlier period. According to new vehicle registration data from Experian, EV registrations numbered 258,000, an increase of 63%. Total industry registrations were almost 3.7 million, an increase of 8.4%. The growth in EVs is coming as traditional automakers turn on the faucet for new EV models. Legacy brands and recent industry startups took nearly 40% of new U.S. EV registrations in the first quarter, chipping away at Tesla's market dominance. Brands gaining EV market share include Chevy, Ford, Volkswagen, Rivian, Mercedes-Benz, and BMW. Those losing ground compared with the first quarter of last year include Tesla, Hyundai, Kia, Audi, Nissan, and Polestar. Overall, Tesla still had the bulk of the EV market with 6 of 10 registrations, but that was a drop from its 72% market share a year earlier. An Ohio court has issued a restraining order that restricts UAW picketing at a Toledo area battery plant where union workers went on strike last week. More than 400 UAW members are on a strike at the Clarios battery plant after failed negotiations about overtime pay and other concerns. The plant supplies batteries to automotive assembly lines at Ford and General Motors. So far, there have been no reports of production disruptions. A spokesperson for Clarios said, the Lucas County Court of Common Pleas issued the restraining order to prevent pickets from disrupting business operations and creating unsafe conditions on the picket line. UAW Region 2B Director David Green said in a statement that, quote, using the courts as a weapon against working people standing up for their rights is extremely disrespectful. Stellantis will acquire an equal one-third stake in Symbio, the hydrogen fuel cell joint venture between Michelin and Forcia, Forcia said it would receive 150 million euros, about $163 million, from Stellantis in the deal. That amount would be part of a planned 1 billion euro asset disbursement program. PSA Group was formerly the majority shareholder in Forcia before liquidating its stake when it merged with Fiat Chrysler to form Stellantis in 2021. The next year, Forcia merged with Hella to form the Forvia Group. Michelin did not say if it was also receiving money from Stellantis. A Stellantis spokesperson told Automotive News Europe that the company is not disclosing financial details of the deal. And the former head of Audi, 
Rupert Stadler accepted his role in committing fraud by negligence in parent Volkswagen Group's diesel emissions scandal. Stadler made the admission in court in Germany today, having agreed in May to a deal which would get him a suspended sentence. The former CEO has been on trial for fraud since 2020 over his role in the scandal after VW Group and Audi admitted in 2015 to having used illegal software to cheat on emissions tests. Stadler had previously rejected the allegations. Stadler's defense lawyer read a statement to the court saying that the defendant did not know that vehicles have been manipulated and buyers had been harmed, but he recognized it was a possibility and accepted that. The lawyer read on Stadler's behalf, quote, I understand that, for my part, there was a need for more care. Asked by the judge whether the words were his own, Stadler replied, yes. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, electric vehicle registrations were up in the first quarter. Tesla still has a big share. But is the market starting to get a bit more competitive? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, a big part of the difference between this year and last year is Chevrolet. Uh, last year, they were still in the middle of a big recall of basically all of the uh, bolts that had been sold previously. And so they weren't really producing new vehicles. Now they're back in the game. And that's really important. We've, of course, also seen you know the change in the tax credits that lets General Motors brands and Tesla both get full support from the federal government up to $7,500 per EV. Both of those companies had lost that before. And then you've seen, you know, some of the brands from overseas, especially, you know, Hyundai and Kia that were coming on really strong last year. Now they're losing that support, except if they do their sales as leases, then they can tap into tax credits and funnel those into the lease program. We're seeing a lot of that. Kia just made an announcement about it this week. So a lot of moving parts in the market. But to your question, absolutely, it's getting more competitive. There's more vehicles out. Tesla still has a four-vehicle lineup, and that is a smaller percentage of the vehicles on the market every month. Gotcha. Coming up, Ford hopes its newly redesigned Ranger will help cut into Toyota's truck lead overseas. We'll hear about that next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
Ford is redesigning the Ranger and adding a Raptor performance variant to the midsize pickup for the first time in North America. That's as it seeks to keep pace in an increasingly competitive segment with one of its most popular global nameplates. Ford reporter Michael Martinez has been writing about it for Automotive News. I reached him at his home office in Detroit. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. You've been writing a lot lately about the Ford Ranger. What's what's going on? There's a, a new design coming for the Ranger? Yeah, Ford redesigned its midsize pickup for the 2024 model year. We're going to have a new Ranger, and they're adding, for the first time in North America, a Ranger Raptor variant. So uh, you mentioned North America. This is not a truck that is only sold in North America. Uh, Ranger has an unusually global footprint, especially for a, a pickup. What's what's its role in the U.S. versus its role in the rest of the world? Well, it could be argued that its role in the rest of the world is more important than the U.S. Ford's home market. And that's because here stateside, it's really a bit player in that midsize pickup segment, right? The Toyota Tacoma is king. Toyota sells about four times as many Tacomas as Ford sells Rangers here in the U.S. So it's not really gunning for the crown anytime soon. But overseas, it's number two again to Toyota, but it's still a bit closer. Ford sells way more Rangers in global markets than it does here. I think in about a dozen or so, it's the number one truck. And for a lot of the rest of the world, it's really their only option because Ford doesn't sell F-150 globally. So this is a lot of customers' introduction to what that built Ford tough truck brand really means. And it's the F-150 really for many global markets. So it's very important overseas. And, you know, you talk about stateside, could Ford sell more? Probably, but keep in mind what the Ranger shares an assembly plant with here, the Bronco. And Bronco is wildly popular right now. And for the foreseeable future, I would not think that Ford would want to give up any Bronco production to build more Rangers. So it's really limited by the Bronco here. Some of us are old enough to remember when there was an entire assembly plant devoted to the Ranger. Of course, that was the older Ranger that was smaller and more affordable, but that seems like that would be a real stretch uh, for Ford to try to pull off, to add another another line or another plant making Rangers and Broncos. It seems like that would be a, a, a big ask, even for such strong brands. I think so. I think if anything, you could see Ford maybe boosting production depending on what the reception is. You see that for a lot of the other models, right? Whether it's Mach-E or even the new Maverick, smaller compact pickup, Ford sees a lot of orders, it sees a lot of interests, and it'll really work like crazy to boost production at the plants. I don't know what they could do in terms of expanding capacity at Michigan Assembly Plant, but if that interest is there, they would no doubt at least look at it. What are the highlights of this new design? Well, the truck is two inches longer and wider. So to your point, the original Ranger was much smaller than this current Ranger today. And this new Ranger is going to be even larger than the one that's out right now. But with that being said, Ford said that it's still going to be maneuverable. It's still going to have good visibility, more so than a full-size pickup. And really, this Ranger is getting a lot of, I guess you could call it the highlights 
of Ford's truck lineup over the past few years. Because if you go back, Ford reintroduced the Ranger here in 2019. Well, what's happened since then? They've added Maverick. They've added an F-150 hybrid. They've added Lightning. And in each of those vehicles, they've really debuted a bunch of interesting features, whether it's you know, the pro power on board, the generator, which to be clear, Ranger doesn't have, but other features like under seat storage or a lot of the tricks in the bed itself, like a built-in ruler or a bottle opener. Some of these are silly things, but they matter to, to a certain segment of the population. And Ranger's getting a lot of that stuff now because it wasn't around the last time it was updated. It's also getting a new engine and probably most importantly, that Raptor performance variant that enthusiasts have been going crazy for because Ford's offered it globally for years. They haven't offered it here. Finally, they're going to get that option. Yeah, I want to get to the Raptor uh, in just a minute, but I do think it it's it's always a challenge, right? If like uh, Lee Iacocca said, you know, almost 50 years ago, right? If you ask any American car buyer what they want, they want the same car, just a little bit bigger and a little more powerful. <laughs> and, and there's always been this size creep uh, in designs. Uh, but this one really makes sense because, as you noted, they added the Maverick, which is, you know, compact, very car-like, but, you know, kind of the old cute little pickup. And so there is a, a clear boundary uh, on the high end and the low end so they can kind of don't have to protect the, the bot bottom end of the truck lineup as much as they did before. Uh, seems like it makes sense. And also this Ranger customer still wants a certain level of capability. Right? They don't necessarily use their truck for work as much as an F-150 or a Super Duty customer might, but they still do use it for work occasionally. They still need to tow and haul a decent amount. So they need to at least offer that type of size and capability for those customers to do that with. Yeah, these are, these are not people who could substitute a minivan. Exactly. So the Raptor, as far as these you know, sub-brands or like a trim level type of thing, that is really a name that has caught on almost like, like like nothing else. It really has, and it has a great story. You know, talking with folks within Ford, they said when they were initially developing Raptor on the F-150 back in the day, a dozen years or so ago, they had no expectations for that thing whatsoever. It was just a sort of little skunkworks project. They were trying out, seeing what they could do with it, threw it out there, had very, very low expectations sales-wise, and it just absolutely caught on with customers. It's really fun to drive. The performance is tremendous, whether or not you're on pavement or if you do want to really take it off-road through sand, through mud, up rocks. And more and more people wanted it. They kept having to build more and more. It took off. You saw them expand it to the Bronco line last year, a couple years ago, and now adding a third model here in the U.S. So... Especially with a little bigger uh, Ranger, I, I I can see a Ranger Raptor. I can see having something that's a little smaller that you want to tear around out out off the road and and have some fun with. Is that is that the end of the line for for the Raptor? Is that as far as it it can go? These three 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 models. I think that's still unclear. We'll see. It it could be. You wonder if if maybe they would push it down into the Maverick, but I don't know if that makes a ton of sense. They just added a Maverick Tremor, which is another off-road package, trim level, variant, whatever you want to call it. Uh, maybe that's about as far as you can push Maverick for that size of vehicle. 
but I think they're still going to sell plenty of, of the three Raptors now here in the U.S. Oh, sure. And I guess if there was one other extension, I would not rule out, I guess it only depends on the, uh, on maybe the EPA, uh, if you could offer a, a, a Raptor F-250, right? Uh, that, yeah. that dually, you know, maybe it would weigh too much, maybe, uh, be heavy enough that it wouldn't have to, uh, qualify for any, or be counted against a cafe or anything, but maybe a little out of step, out of step with the times, but it does seem like it has some potential. There are some big truck, uh, drivers out there who like to get crazy off-road too. I'm sure there's plenty of customers who would snap that up in a heartbeat. But as a business, wow, Raptor's been great for them, right? It's got all that sizzle around it. People really pay up, but most of the components, most of the parts are are reused from the regular model. Yeah, this is really a perfect example of what Jim Farley has been talking about, the strategy that he wants out of Ford's internal combustion business moving forward. He They call it their derivative strategy, where they essentially want to offer high-margin variants of popular products that don't really cost them a lot more to build. And you see that with Raptor. Farley said that these derivatives use about 80% common parts and can deliver upwards of 30% better margins, right? So you're not really changing too much. To be clear, with the Raptor subbrand, it is a different suspension. It is, you know, things like the Fox shocks. You, you have an interior the appointments, the seating, it's all different. So you're getting more definitely for your money, but from an engineering standpoint, it's maybe not as much added cost, especially here in the U S when you're sharing a plant with Bronco and Bronco Raptor, the run down the same line already. So that's the, you're getting those economies of scale out of production. And at the same time, you're getting people to pay a heck of a lot more with that Raptor badge on it. You mentioned the Tremor derivatives. What are some of Ford's other uh, derivatives they've, they've got going on? Well, it sort of depends what vehicle line you're talking about. I think Bronco's an excellent opportunity here. You could almost even consider the Bronco Sport. It's obviously a separate nameplate, but it's within the Bronco family, right? And you have everything from heritage editions to the Bronco Everglades, which is more for really kind of deep water mudding, off-roading. It comes with a, a factory snorkel and winch, right, to pull other SUVs out of the mud, I guess. So you have that in the Bronco line. They want to do that with Maverick as well. Tremor is the first sort of variant there, but you could see them maybe offering different... Honestly, Jamie, a lot of these are, are glorified appearance packages in some way, but it's it's really just about, again, offering that sizzle, right? With the Raptor brand, you get that Tremor name, you get the Everglades name, something to appeal to a specific subsection of the customer base, and you can make a decent amount of money. Well, especially with high volume products like that, it's easy for the consumer to feel uh, like they don't stand out enough. And these are can be chances to charge someone a little extra, but then they can feel a little extra special. Exactly. And it really gets back to the passion around some of these vehicle lines, whether it's Bronco, whether it's Mustang, F-150, whatever it is, the, you worded it perfectly, that uniqueness, obviously not one of one, but maybe not everybody on the road has that one just like you. 
Well, it's a very interesting strategy, and I really appreciate you digging into it for us and uh, drawing out all the Ford executives on, on what their thinking is there. Michael Martinez, Ford reporter for Automotive News, thank you so much for joining me at Daily Drive. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, Abigail Hamm, plus also Peter Siegel of Automotive News Europe for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on new products, EV registrations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about suppliers in the current economy. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.